UFC 249 is in the books. My name is Jesse Day. This is the Fight IQ Podcast. And today we're going to break down UFC 249, specifically the main event and the co-main. We'll talk a little bit about the other fights as well. We'll break down the action and determine where the winners and losers go from here. So let's get into it. Thank you, my friends, for joining me here on the Fight IQ podcast. This podcast drops every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time at fightiqpodcast.com and wherever podcasts are found online. However, today is a special bonus episode, if you will, because it's been so long since the UFC has had a main event. So now that UFC 249 is over, I felt that I really did need to cover it, need to break it down, and also see how I did in my predictions on uh, last week's episode, which was a preview of this particular event. So where to begin? What an amazing night of cards from beginning to end. I watched from the very early prelims all the way up through the main card, and it was just great getting fights back after being away for this long. So I just want to say that first and foremost. It was great to see. A little bit sketchy when uh, Jacare and both his cornermen tested positive for COVID-19. That makes me a little nervous about the rest of the card and potential exposure to other fighters, but we'll have to see how things go. Hopefully, everyone ends up being safe and the next events can continue forward as well because there's a couple more coming up. So let me just give a few honorable mentions about fights through the evening that caught my eye. I'm just doing this off the cuff, guys, just unscripted, giving my unfiltered thoughts to you all. Uh, Cowboy versus Pettis was a fight I was really looking forward to. I'm a big fan of Cowboy, and after his last performance against McGregor or lack thereof, there was definitely some big questions as to uh, where Cowboy was at, both mentally and physically, and he looked great. I think it was a very close fight. I don't disagree with the decision at all. I think uh, Pettis definitely deserved that one. And uh, both guys looked awesome. So I think neither of them lost stake. I think both of their their um, profiles went up, if you will. But it is pushing Cowboy further away from a potential title shot. Will he ever get his hands on that gold belt? Very hard to say, but I did love that contest from both guys. Of course, you have the beast Francis Ngannou, the predator, just going... <laughs> insane on a Jared Rosenchuk. I'm sure I'm getting his name wrong, so apologies. But um, it was all about Ngannou in that fight. And as Daniel Cormier was saying as he was observing the action, Ngannou was swinging wildly with his chin up in the air because he just knew that if he was going to be able to land one, that it was going to be night-night. And indeed, it was. Good night, Irene, for Mr. Jared Rosenstock. I really got to learn this, that, that guy's name. Um, so overall, awesome performance by Ngannou. Uh, there's been some interesting stuff brewing in the heavyweight division. Obviously, Daniel Cormier is waiting for a chance at his rematch with Stipe Miocic for their trilogy fight. And there's been a bit of drama behind the scenes with Miocic needing to uh, stay on as a firefighter where he lives. He's working. I, I'm not sure exactly which part of the U.S. it is, but... Um, He's talking about he's not sure when he's going to be able to come back to work in terms of fighting for the UFC. And Dana has said they need to move forward with the heavyweight picture. So uh, Francis Ngannou put himself in a very good position to fight the winner of uh, DC and Miocic 
or just fight somebody for the interim belt in the meantime. I think that man's a problem, and I definitely think he will be a future champion in the heavyweight division. So Francis Ngannou, wow, scary, scary power. Um, I would not want to get hit by him. It would kill me. But um, I don't think anybody wants to get hit by him in the heavyweight division either. So that should be very interesting. All right, I want to keep this a little bit brief, guys. So let's uh, let's jump right into the co-main event, some controversy, and a fairly good performance by both men uh, in the beginning stages of the fight. Henry Cejudo defending his bantamweight title against Dominic Cruz, returning after a four-year uh, layoff, which is very impressive. His career, of course, plagued by injuries which uh, I talked about extensively in my episode uh, of Fight IQ about overcoming injuries, which, of course, you can find at fightiqpodcast.com. So Dominic looked good. He, his footwork looked amazing. He had that elusive style. He looked more elusive than ever. Um, Cejudo's just, as I said before and uh, as he said, and as I believe is probably the case, he might be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, combat sports athletes of all time. And he was just able to get his kicks off, particularly kicking Dom's leg a lot. And uh, there's a clash of heads at some point that left Cejudo cut open. Uh, but the exchange that ended it began with a, an extremely well-timed knee by Cejudo as Dominic Cruz was bringing his head down. I believe Cruz was going for the shot to try to get a takedown. And Cejudo hit him real hard with the knee, followed up with a flurry of punches, and uh, the referee had seen enough and called it off. Now, controversy, I say, because Dominic Cruz was very, very disappointed uh, with the ending to that fight. I don't totally blame him. I mean, he was kind of on his way back up, but it looked like a good stoppage to me, especially after seeing the replay multiple times. And it was a little, mm, I don't want to say sad, but I wish Cruz wasn't so salty after that loss. He repeated over and over again how he should have been given a chance, and he was obviously very angry over the whole thing, and uh, I think that Cejudo was just a better man that night. I think, I don't know if it would have gone on much longer if Cruz had been able to get up, Um, but man, you got to hand it to Cejudo. Absolutely amazing performance, double champ still, and he shocked everybody. Well, he said it kind of casually, so it was interesting, but he decided to retire after the fight. Now, I'm not sure if this is for real or if it's just him trolling so he can come out with another video about the champ is back. I'm not I'm not really sure, but if he really did retire, wow, maybe a smart move to retire on top and young with his whole future ahead of him. He can do many, many other endeavors now that he's become so recognized through the UFC. So I do wish him the best, and um, thanks for all the great fights if he really is bowing out. Uh, incredible. One of the best It's not that easy to finish Dominic Cruz and uh, especially to stifle him and uh, get him in that type of position in a fight. So hats off to Henry Cejudo. Excellent performance. And which brings us to the main event of the evening. All of the hype was there and for very good reason as we saw Justin Gaethje versus Tony L. Kukui Ferguson. And of course we all know the history about how long it's been that Tony Ferguson was supposed to fight Habib Nurmagomedov. And uh, for the fifth time, that fight has fallen through. And it looks like that fight may be forever cursed because I don't think anybody was expecting the type of Justin Gaethje to show up that did show up tonight. And um, me included. I actually, uh, well, my predictions. So for, for Cejudo versus 
Cruz, I did predict that Cejudo would win by TKO. I believe that's what I said. And um, this one I predicted Tony to win by TKO. And wow, did uh, did Gaethje ever look unbelievable. Just his counterboxing style. He was just a better striker than Tony. Just that that was it. He was a better striker. And Tony Ferguson took some incredible punishment during this contest. And when he finally got stopped in the fifth round, it really reminded me of Robbie Lawler uh, versus... Uh, sorry, Rory McDonald. And I believe that was in the fourth or fifth round where it got stopped too. And it was also a jab and Rory just collapsed like he just had enough. Uh, and I, I really feel like this was a similar sort of situation. Um, when Ferguson got hit by Gaethje with the final punch, he just was shaking his head. I, it was very strange. I've never seen a fighter behave that way, but he looked like he was just completely gone trying to come back to his senses. It was an incredible beating, and I think it really opened a lot of eyes when it comes to just how unbelievably technical and how great of a striker that Justin Gaethje is. He is not a brawler, although he can absolutely bring that side of himself out. He is, now that we've seen, an incredible counter-puncher, counter-boxer, and uh, man, what a fascinating matchup it's going to be to see him against Habib Nurmagomedov. But um, the way that I saw the fight, the the main event unfolding, Tony was looking much like his old self in some of the earlier rounds, but Justin just kept countering him perfectly over and over. He was just always in the right positions, very patient, picked his shots, kind of stayed on the outside, used his footwork to cut off Tony, and um, was able to perfectly find those gaps, those openings, when Tony was throwing to counter. And... Uh, Man, I don't think I've personally ever seen Tony take that much of a beating in a fight. And it, it was just punishment being distributed by Justin Gaethje. And he has now proven he is one of the best in the world. And he has one more test in front of him now, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. That should be a very fascinating fight. For um, So I, I want to talk about where both the winners and losers of both of these fights go from here. Uh, when it comes to Dominic Cruz, you know... I don't know how good of shape his body is actually in this time around because he's been out with injuries so frequently. This last time was four years, I believe. And if he truly did step in 100% tonight and he's still 100% after this fight, then I don't have any problem with him continuing to, to take fights. But if he's not 100% and he's potentially injured after this one, then I think it might be a good time for him to, to, to step away from the sport. He's done it all. He's been the champion, and he's an ex excellent color commentator. However, if uh, assuming Cruz is 100% healthy, hmm, there's some interesting matchups. Uh, maybe another matchup against Uriah Faber. Um, I'm not sure where Cody Garbrandt is at at the moment, but that could be another rematch that could be interesting. Um, you know, it'd be great to see him against a, a number of different guys in that division, but I just don't know if that's something that Cruz has in him. If he has it in him to go ahead and rise the ranks once again and chase the title, um, this might have been his one or done shot, so we'll have to see. Cejudo claims he's retired. If he hasn't, of course, I'd like to see him fight Peter Yan or Andromaine Sterling because both of those men are very deserving. Of course, potentially Jose Aldo down the road, but look, he might have actually hung them up, so... uh We'll have to wait and see. Now, as for the main event, Tony Ferguson, man, 12-fight winning streak snapped in a very brutal fashion 
um, when you were just on the cusp of getting that title shot finally against Habib. It's it's a bitter pill to swallow, I'm sure. Um, but there's some fights for him out there. Uh, you could put him in a rematch against Cowboy. They both came off losses. Uh, you know, him versus McGregor, though I don't think McGregor's going to want to want to fight somebody coming off of a loss. But th- there's a bunch of options for him there that he can rebuild himself. And so we'll have to see what's next for El Kukui. And of course, for uh, Justin Gaethje, he is now getting prepared. And we'll see after Ramadan. I'm not sure exactly when Ramadan is, but Habib does not fight or train during that time. So once Ramadan is over, he's already said he's ready to go. Uh, so that should be a very, very fascinating matchup. Um, other thoughts on the evening? It was very interesting being able to hear everything and having the empty arena that gave it a whole dynamic. And it seemed the commentators eventually figured out the fighters in the cage could hear them talking. So that was a really weird dynamic. I'd definitely like to uh, maybe hear more in the post-fight interviews about how much the fighters in the ring could actually hear Rogan and Cormier and John Anik and how much of a role that maybe even played in what they were doing in their strategy in there. So overall, very fascinating night of fights um, and uh, a great evening. Looking very forward to future UFC events, and I thank all of you for joining me as I recapped UFC 249. This is the Fight IQ Podcast. I am Jesse Day. Uh, you can hit me up by email at info at fightiqpodcast.com. You can follow me and DM me on Instagram at Jesse B. Day. That's at J-E-S-S-E-B-D-A-Y. I release a lot of interesting combat sports content on there as well. And of course, you can join me next Wednesday, as every Wednesday, where we break down the mentality of world-class combat sports athletes to find gems of wisdom we can all apply to our own lives. Fight IQ is a combat sports psychology podcast. Of course, fightiqpodcast.com and everywhere else podcasts are found online iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. Thank you very much, my friends, and I'll see you guys on the next Fight IQ.